Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a special edition of Sports Roundtable. I'm joined by Impact Zach Sardenic, Matt Merrifield, and Liam Jackson for a special episode about Hate Week. So, what's going on, guys? You know, it's campus is thriving this week, as it always is this time of year. It's a little bit interesting with how the seasons have gone between these two sides, but, you know, it's always thriving. It's Hate Week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's my favorite week being on campus here. The weather is beautiful right now. It's your, Everybody's excited for the game this weekend. Uh, and it just, you know, Halloween's coming up. So it's just a fun time to be on campus right now. Yeah, sure. We coming off a break uh, for us students. Uh, and it's nice to be here. Never been in the state news office. It's very nice here. So thanks thanks for having me, and I'm excited. Yeah, it's good to have you guys here. Um, so I want to talk about, obviously, we know we talk about hate week. And I want to throw it back to some of your guys' most memorable games um, growing up, even if you weren't a Michigan State fan or being here, especially, like, we know what happened last year. I would just say that, like, one of my most memorable moments of hate week was, you know, last year was my freshman year being up here. We had a really good team coming into the game against a really good Michigan team, and then just being in that environment of that game and seeing, you know, the outcome with, we know, K-9 had the five touchdowns and the uproar after the game was just a crazy time. I've been an MSU fan all my life, and just seeing campus like that in, in a different way because I had never really been a part of a game like that, and that moment like when I think back to games as of late we all know we've MSU has been pretty successful over the past 15 years or so but just winning that game in that magnitude and being involved in you know the crowd and the culture after and everything that was going on was pretty special I don't know what, what do you guys think about that yeah that's the game I go back to that was my first Michigan State Michigan game that I got to cover um, I was on the call for the game for impact and just the atmosphere of the game was crazy, but that whole week, like the buildup into it, the nerves of getting to call that game. I remember it was a noon game. I left my house at 7 o'clock. I live about 20 minutes from campus, and I still could not get to campus. Um, I had to get dropped off at Muni um, Municipal Park over there, walk to Spartan Stadium from there. And I just remember we were in the stadium by 10 o'clock, and I'm just pacing back and forth getting ready for the call, and it was one of those really cool moments and just to see everything and see the stadium and the atmosphere and obviously the game was a lot of fun the call was a lot of fun close intense rivalry game and yeah that's that's the game that has to come to mind for me yeah I think last year I mean just the atmosphere I was in the seats as a fan obviously and that was uh, the atmosphere is something I'll never forget I don't know if I'll ever be at a game covering it or just being a fan of to have that type of energy it was something I'll never forget like I still have the videos on my phone that I'll watch back and seeing the reaction after the game was crazy I don't I was the only Michigan Michigan State game I've been to in person and I I mean obviously it was incredible um I don't know if it was my most memorable because I mean watching a lot of games at home as a kid I grew up a Michigan State fan so there's a lot that stick out to me obviously 2015 was the special one with the muff punt (laughs) Um, 2017, I think, kind of reminds me of this uh, the game coming up this week being a night game, going into a Michigan game where State wasn't supposed to be very good and they still found a way to win. So I just th- this week is always fun, and it's always, especially in the last 15 years, the way State's kind of handled the series, it's always exciting to going into the Michigan game. Yeah, you touched on it a little bit, but I feel like it's worth going in depth. The trouble with the snap game, I don't think that will ever be beaten for me. I was at homecoming uh, in high school, and I'm not I'm not really a fan of I wasn't really a fan of school dances at the time, so it gave me a great <laughs> excuse to sit in the lobby <laughs> and watch a game on my phone. And after I think the fourth and long, Connor Cook didn't convert, and all my friends are Michigan fans are in my face. They're excited. I didn't really I didn't have much to say, so 
was kind of just sitting with a few other of my Michigan State friends drinking some punch or water or whatever. <laughs> and they went back on the dance floor, and they didn't see the play, so I got to go break the news to them in the middle of the dance floor and to see their face. They, at first, they didn't believe me, but once they looked at their phones and saw the final score, uh, that was probably the greatest feeling, just to see their, 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 their faces sink. And I had that same reaction on the fourth, well, fourth and long, and it was ten times worse for them because they're enjoying themselves in the middle of the dance floor. So yeah, the, uh, I enjoyed the rest of that dance. I'll never forget that play either because I had a hockey tournament that they had a game that started like a half hour into the game when it started. So I kind of saw a little bit of the beginning, and then when I got off the ice, I don't think I've ever gotten undressed faster because obviously State was starting that what was supposed to be a game-winning drive. Obviously, Connor Cook didn't convert on fourth down. I'm standing in the lobby. There's a ton of people. Uh, half Michigan State, half Michigan fans, and after they didn't convert, all the Michigan fans are celebrating. And to not only see the state fans in pure shock, but to see the pure disappointment in all the Michigan fans in that lobby is one of the best feelings I've ever had in my <laughs> life. It was so nice. Like, I was r- jumping around screaming, and I look over, and there's just Michigan fans that look like they just saw a ghost. And it was that was a feeling I will never forget, and I just love loved that feeling. Yeah, so I was watching the game. I was with a bunch of my family, my little brother is a big Michigan fan. And so I am just beyond frustrated at that game, just watching it as a kid. I grew up in Lansing, so I'm from the area. And I just get, I just get so mad. I just go in my room and I don't watch a game. It's on, but I'm like, I'm sitting there laying in bed, head under the covers type stuff, like just frustrated. And the TV in my room was about five seconds behind the TV in the living room where the rest of my family's watching the game. So as they're about to punt, I hear people in the living room start going crazy because everyone besides my little brother that was there was a Michigan State fan. So everybody starts going crazy. I jump out from the bed, run to the living room just to see him score, then sprint back and try and catch what actually happened in the play. But it was just like the shock. And as you guys kind of said, I think we've almost kind of gotten numb to it when we look at it because we've seen the play so many times, (laughs) I guess maybe it's just me, but like really like comprehending how unlikely that actually was and how crazy that finish was. It'll never get old to watch, but I think we just don't think as much, or at least me anyways, don't think as much about how crazy that actually was. Yeah, I honestly think that I because now you guys are bringing me back to when I was watching Mm -hmm. with my uncle because my uncle was the one who really put me on to Michigan State. And I just remember feeling like right when you guys said after Cook missed the fourth down convert or the fourth third or fourth down conversion, I remember sitting there with my uncle thinking it was like, "Wow, I'm I'm really gonna hear it from my Michigan mm-hmm. friends tomorrow." And then all of a sudden, I was just like, it just went, it flipped a switch, and I was like, "What the hell just happened?" And I just, I'm still kind of numb to the fact that like that play happened because it's such an indescribable kind of like it's just a lot of things that came together perfectly, and it's hard to describe the feeling you get watching that over and over and over. And, I mean, it's just, it's it's such a classic moment. It, it, it really is. It's wild to think about. You like you see all these old-time plays from like the 50s and 60s of these incredible <laughs> endings, and you think about it like in 50 years, that's going to be the play, and you got to see it happen. And it's just, oh, yeah, it's, it's such a bonkers. weird feeling. I will admit, when I watched the play happen live, I was yelling at Jalen Watts Jackson to get down so Geiger oh, could. Because no. I thought, honestly, that <laughs> he was going to get tackled at like the two. 
and it was going to be the most, like, what if. Yeah, that would have been so depressing. So, like, I was like, get down. It's a 20-yard field goal. Just let Geiger kick the game-winning field goal, and they probably would have missed, even though he made it against Ohio State a couple weeks later. Geiger but it was, was like, good. He was good his senior year, but it was just more like, get down, get down. We got the ball back, kick the field goal, and then yeah. he scored. And no, I was like, no way he got down the field. Like, that was, I I mean, that was incredible. Can, can we talk about, I know a lot of us are in – Broadcast media. Can we talk about the fact that Sean McDonough got that call right? I saw a video. Like, yeah. there's a the spotter. Somebody looked up the spotter's name. I saw it on Twitter. I don't remember what it was, but for him to know exactly and call that out without hesitation as a broadcaster, like I have a big appreciation for that because it's not like a broadcast. Like if I'm doing the game on Sunday or Saturday, I know all of the players on Michigan State's team, even their reserves. Michigan, I know the starters. I know some of their reserves. I don't necessarily know the third string or the fifth-string corner that's a gunner on punt teams. Exactly. But on Michigan State, I would know that because I cover them every week, but McDonough doesn't cover them every week. And for him to be able to get that right without a second hesitation, just top-tier work. Also, he is calling the game this weekend. He is calling the game Saturday night. I was going to mention that because we were talking about it on my regular edition of Sports Roundtable earlier this week that – he will be the one calling the mm-hmm. game, and uh, whenever you hear, I hear his name and see his face, I always think back to that legendary call. And I wanted to say, like you said, that as a broadcaster, it, I mean, when you really think about the fact that he pointed out, because you know the press box is super high up, and it's hard mm-hmm. for them to see what exactly is going on. But for him to know who exactly what who it was, and just everything about the call was just was perfect. Top Even and the voice crack. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, the voice cracks actually added to. Yes, it did. It top two. It really did. Cadence of his call. I yeah. loved too in this call of it. Like after State scored, there was just a pause. Yes, he, lay out. Just let it. Let he let it, and it was cool because they just panned to different fans in Michigan, Michigan State. I just, I how he got that call. I love McDonough as a uh, broadcaster, and that that call was. I was. I mean, the whole play, everything was just incredible. Laying out after a big moment is the most underrated but important skill a broadcaster can have. If you're in a big moment like that, you can't. I mean, we talked about it during the Michigan State-Wisconsin game, during those big plays towards the end. And in overtime, my broadcast partner and I would look at each other, and I would finish a call, like the touchdown call, the final touchdown call. And I would go like this, and we would both just sit there, let the crowd go, and then you talk. And that's exactly what it, it was so just I mean, chef's kiss. Growing, yeah, growing up a State fan, too, like, I mean, I can't, I could probably go back and look, but since, like, 2008 or nine, since the rivalry turned around, it seems like McDonough's called every game. Other than the game on Fox last year, and I think Herb Street and Fowler did the 2017 game. But other than that, it's usually McDonough's on the call. Yeah, I'm kind of honestly, I'm kind of surprised McDonough's on the call now that I'm thinking about it because it is a 7:30 ABC game. Yeah, so I would have thought that would have been I Herb Street so and Fowler, too, but, but I did see that it is McDonough. I just never really thought about it and put it into perspective. But yeah, but I wanted to you know get your guys pick your guys' brains about the game coming up this week. Just maybe give some predictions or general thoughts on what's what's going to happen we all know that I believe that MSU is going to come to play but you know Michigan's is a a pretty good team so I wanted to hear what you guys have to think about that so Liam and I picked it last night on the SRZ podcast for impact but I think that I think Michigan State covers I'll I'll go there Um, I'm not as confident in it as I think both of these guys are they Liam seemed very confident. Everybody on the podcast with me seemed very confident. I'm not as confident. I think Michigan State is either going to hang around in this game and keep it close, or they're going to get hammered, and I don't think there's any in between. I yeah. don't think they lose this game by 14 points. I, I think agree. they lose it by 30 or by 3. 
or like seven. My thing is if they cover, I, 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 I agree. I, there's a good chance they do get blown out in this game. But if they cover, they're probably going to win. Like if, if this game is close, Ooh, if this game is close, I, they're going to get blown out by 40 or they're going to find a way to win this. Like it's just usually how it goes. I mean, it is. how many times, oh, I guess in 2016, but that was a really bad Michigan State team. This team's not much better, but it is. That was the, 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 the twenty. That was the Tyler that game O'Connor. was close too, though somewhat. That, yeah, I mean, that, that game was nine. That was by nine. That was because um, Jabril Peppers had the, the two point. Uh, two points, that's yeah. true. They did keep it close until like yeah. And, Lewerke, and Jabril Pepper shattered Lewerke's leg. He did, but I, 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 I don't know. I do think state covers. It's gonna. I. I don't know. I feel like if it is close late, state's gonna find a way to pull it out. But there's also a very good chance that there's no way to stop the run and. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what they do with stopping the run. Didn't they switch start going to a 4-3, though? They did last week. Which makes me happy. In order to stop the run, my question is how much does Harbaugh start opening up the pass at that point? Make McCarthy beat you. And when he still hasn't proven anything to me. McCarthy will McCarthy will beat them. I know you're not a McCarthy believer, and Matt, we, but McCarthy will yeah, beat them and if we, they let him throw it. We know our DBs aren't, you know, their secondary relying on them in the past hasn't been very in the past two years hasn't been very, you know. X is back though, which is big. That's true. That's true. I think the health of this team is going to make a huge difference on Saturday. Go ahead, Liam. Yeah, I, I think I think three things need to happen if Michigan State wins this game. I think Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman need to be the the focus of that offense we saw against Wisconsin that they won their one-on-one matchups and I think that they have proven this year and for Jaden Reed throughout his whole career that he's good enough to win those one-on-ones I think they need to I think Jacoby Winman needs to force at least one turnover and if he's back at linebacker which I expect him to be most of the game I think that he's much better there in his natural position a great tackler uh, just a game breaker and I think Jaden Reed again, special teams. I think he needs to finally house one. He's has he's taken two back, uh, two punt returns back. They've both been called back uh, for uh, for penalties. But um, I think that they need to have a big special teams play, and I think Reed can provide that for him. It's kind of a weird anecdote just to bring this up, but in 2020, State had Antoine Simmons. He had a huge game for State. He was an Ann Arbor native last year. Andrew Anthony, an East Lansing native, had a very big game against State. Is there anybody on Michigan State's roster that's from Ann Arbor ben that we know of? Transferred from Michigan. Yeah, Ben. I mean, that's I think the biggest. I don't think there's really any other. Uh, ben like, Van Sumer in game winning, er, game sealing interception. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's let's not go. take that to the books. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, that's about basically all the time we have left here with you guys. So I want to say thanks. It was just a quick episode, but I really appreciate you guys coming up and you know, talking about that school down the road. Yeah, yeah. should be a fun one. Yeah, awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, thank you. Yep. My name is Nick Lundberg. We'll see you next Friday for another edition of Sports Roundtable. Peace out.